episode of Asking for a Friend. I'm Dr. Laura McGuire, and today we have an incredible guest, Jasmine Phillips. She is a sex educator, PhD student, working on some amazing projects and doing some incredible work in this world. And I'm so excited to have them on our podcast today. Jasmine, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what makes you fabulous? Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I just want to say, well, hello, everyone. My name is Jasmine Phillips. Uh, Yes, I am a current sex educator. I'm currently in Raleigh, North Carolina, where I reside. Um, I am a current disease intervention specialist with County Health Department, where I focus mainly on clients um, that are diagnosed with HIV and syphilis uh, and other sexually transmitted diseases. And my job is to make sure they get all the resources that they need, uh, especially when it comes to treatment and financial resources of that nature. Uh, And I currently attend Widener University. I'm a PhD candidate there. (laughs) Um, It's soon to be uh, graduated. (laughs) I am claiming that. And also I do uh, on my free time, uh, I like to educate my clients also. when it comes to sexual communication, that is my main focus, especially with Black LGBTQ uh, millennial population. Awesome. Well, that all sounds like such interesting and important work. And so I'm curious, especially we've had a couple of sex educators and therapists and different people in those spaces on our show before. And everyone has a different journey, right? How did they get to the point where they were like, my calling in life is to educate around sex. All right. There's always a story behind that. So I'm curious, you know, what was your sex education like growing up? And then how did those things come into play to the point where you said, I want to make this my career. And then not only that, I want to do it at a doctoral level. Yes. Yeah, uh, no problem. So Basically, I'm going to be honest, my sex education was trash. (laughs) Uh, I I didn't know much. It was pretty much uh, when I was younger, I was given a book and it was like read. (laughs) Um, And I think it's mostly because, especially in the black community, where do we go? Where do we start when it comes to sex education? Uh, And then plus being raised in a black church, especially Southern Baptist upbringing, uh, it's hard. Uh, and it's hard to actually identify yourself within that community without feeling judged. Um, and the great thing is uh, when I graduated my undergrad at North Carolina Central University, I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, where I was able to get 
um, exposed to a little bit more sex education uh, because I started off as HIV tested counselor with AIDS Healthcare Foundation. And from there, I was able to educate my clients on how they can protect themselves. And they would always ask me questions like, hey, how do I communicate with my partner about this? How do I? And it was the comfortability and being able to say, okay, I have uh, this is my status. So what do I do with this? And how do I not feel judged? So being able to be that resource for them. And I noticed that there's a lot of people that think that way. So I was, uh, that's when I decided, let me go and educate myself more about this. So that's when I enrolled into Widener University um, for the sex education, uh, human sexuality studies program, where I was able to educate myself even more and that's when I dig deeper into, okay, sexual communication is my thing. I want to be able to help uh, my community be able to discuss with their partner or partners about like uh, sexual satisfaction as well as sexual identity, gender identity, and sexual expression, because those are things that we do, we are not exposed to until we are older. And now it's pretty much we're learning all over again. And the only way we are exposed to that information is if there's somebody within our community that knows about it and we're able to relate to it. So I want to be that resource for my community and be able to talk to them about um, these resources. So that's been pretty much like uh, my upbringing, how I got to this. Uh, I currently am still learning and I feel like as educators, we still are. Uh, There's always room to grow and room to learn. So um, the great thing is now that I'm in North Carolina, I've noticed that the population is different. Uh, it's not as much exposure at all, um, especially, and it's, and it's interesting, even though it is considered in the South, there's, uh, there's more research in Atlanta, Georgia compared to North Carolina, Raleigh, North Carolina specifically, and being able to provide the education to them and it's not as many educators, sexually educators in um, North Carolina specifically. So I would like to add two additional, uh, be an educator. Uh, shout out to Dr. Tanya Bass, uh, one of the great <laughs> uh, sexuality educators that uh, inspired me to continue to be this educator that I am today. Yes. Yes. I know. I, I love that. Especially what you're speaking to with connecting to the communities we come from and knowing what we went through and knowing the issues internal there and saying, you know, instead of just saying, I wish I wish this would change. This is a problem. Taking that on and saying, I can be that change. I can be part of solving this problem. Um, and making making a different expectation and norm for future generations. I think that that is so powerful and so important. So I'm curious, and you you mentioned someone who inspired you. You know, I'm sure you are inspiring others right now who are listening and people who've seen you do your incredible work. What are some of the moments as a sex educator working in the spaces that you do that have really kind of giving you that feeling of inspiration to keep going because you're like, these are the moments I live for. These are the successes. These are the, um, the moments where I get to see light bulbs go off for people and they make that connection in a really important way. Can you share any of those 
moments or stories with us? One common moment, uh, one that pops up in my head numerously, uh, is when I was in Atlanta, Georgia, and um, and I was an HIV testing counselor. There was this one client that I had where it was almost like I had to block out a time because they were just so intrigued and they were so like inspired, like, oh my gosh, like, can I still talk to you? Like, I have all these questions, and I felt. I felt great. It was amazing that this person believed in me and wanted to learn more from me. And I could just imagine like how many people, more people within my community actually think and have that, uh, that thought process. And, and it's important. Uh, it is hard, uh, especially within the black community to express yourself because you don't want to feel judged. We, uh, within this community, we are judged. And it's just because of upbringing and it could be, and mostly it's religious. And uh, we want to be able to respect our upbringing as well. And that's how we were raised. And we feel that if we speak out against it, then we are being disrespectful instead of actually being ourselves. So being able to meet others, meet other clients that feel like, okay, well, I am brave enough to ask this question and I want to learn more about it. It's expiring because I was the, uh, I was the person on the other side and it's like, okay, wow, this is like, this is amazing. And just the hearts that I'm able to touch and like the information I'm able to give, I noticed that, okay, I can really do this. And I want to be that resource. And especially uh, within my generation, millennial generation especially, uh, we are interested in learning more. And we want to grow. We want to change things. But I know that it is challenging because we're changing so much at one time that we're getting a lot of backlash from it. So being able to work with um, others within my generation, okay, we need this. We want to provide this. Let's educate our further generations so this trauma does not continue to be passed on so they can actually be themselves, so they can actually be comfortable with disclosing and being able to ask questions without feeling judged. And I think that's one particular thing that it is a st- a still a struggle, but I know that we can get to the point where it's not as challenging. I know eventually we will, but there are some kinks that we have to work through, <laughs> but that's, that's with everything. So uh, I do believe within my community that we can grow and there's, there's room to grow. There is, right? Like you're saying for, for people with all different kinds of experiences, they, they feel the pushback. And I think you make such a really important point in people can also have this perception of, am I being disrespectful to the way I grew up or to my family's church or, you know, different perspectives generationally um, and, and how to balance that, right? How to say, I, I want to respect, especially elders who have done incredible things and were doing what they knew to do as far as education or messages that were put out there and, you know, did not intend to harm anyone, but now we need to go back and, you know, address some of these things that can be improved upon. 
was wondering if you had any thoughts on that balance and and finding a place where, you know, again, we can bring in people intergenerationally from different perspectives, even within one generation and and help them see, you know, how this is beneficial to everyone and isn't taking away from what um, historically has been the norm. Yeah, um, I would definitely say realizing that the resources that we do need, uh, realizing that it is important for us to heal because of uh, trauma that has been passed down to us through generations and how that affects our way of thinking and how that affects our way of navigating through the world. And uh, it is hard because we're still being is we still are a targeted population we are still being affected currently and it almost still feels like we're still going backwards but the great thing is that there are more black educators that want to um to grow and want to be able to educate our community because that is what we need. We need to heal. We need to be able to uh, support one another. That's the only way we can move forward and be able to um, heal together, be able to uh, understand and not feel judged one another. Uh, and that's and that's important. I know that there are times where I've, uh, there's certain things, especially when it comes to presentations, okay, my first thought is, what would my family think about this? And, or even with Thanksgiving coming around the corner, like, it's almost like, okay, what do you do for work? Oh, I'm a sex educator. Like, wait, what? Like, the thinking is, oh my gosh, so I'm getting judged left and right. Oh my gosh, I got to think about my family when I say this. And, and I know that I'm not the only one that thinks that way, you know, and because we're trying to make this big impression on our families and also people that we work with, because we we have to work 10 times harder to get to where we are. And because it's not going to be given to us being able to get through that mindset like, OK, well, I am here to educate. I'm not I can't just worry about what this person is saying, even though. They are my family and I respect them and I want them to respect me as well. But I have to do, I have to be able to provide for my community. I have to be that resource. I have to be that voice for my community because uh, it's, it's hard. It definitely is. And somebody from our community has to speak up. Somebody uh, has to be able to be like, okay, but we need this. This is important. This will help us heal even more. And and now that uh, I would say within the black community, we are starting to be a little bit more open to mental health and being able to recognize, OK, we we need this. Uh, it is still like I said, more work, but it is it's a step in the right direction. So being able to get through that hurdle, like, OK, I won't be judged because of this, being able to feel like, okay, this is what I do for work. I, I change people's lives. And I want to continue doing that through education, whether that be me meeting with a client, whether me speaking with my friends about certain topics they uh, want to ask me in regards to their current relationships and, and being able to just have random conversations with strangers that are interested and it helps them 
become better. It helps them grow. It does. It does. And I, yeah, I totally connect to that straight, especially the stranger statement and friends, you know, people will come up to you and they'll say, Oh, what do you do? Like you're saying <laughs> for a living. And if you say I work in sex education or in sexology, you know, you're going to get different reactions. I, I say they usually fall into one or of two categories. Either they're like, wow, that's amazing. That's so needed. Or they're like, wow, I'm very uncomfortable. I don't know why you would need to do that full time. <laughs> right. It kind of goes in one of those directions. I'm curious then too, like you're saying, you know, this is, this is something that is so important to you, something you love um, sharing information around, and then you're taking it to this PhD level and very few people get a doctorate in anything. You know, I, I remember when I was in grad school years ago, getting my doctorate, I um, read a statistic that was like one to 2% of the world. And being a first gen student, first person in my family to go to college at all, then to get to that level, I was like, wow, this is, this is incredible. This is going to give me the tools to really reach that other um, level of audience. So I'm, I'm interested in knowing what are you studying for your dissertation and how do you see the PhD being something that's going to be uh, a tool for you to utilize to continue this work in a different way? So uh, my topic, I'm so glad you asked that. <laughs> so I was able to narrow it down um, and I want it to be sexual communication amongst Black LGBTQ millennials specifically about sexual satisfaction with their partners and how stresses in the outside world are affect how they communicate with their partners. And a way of doing that, I've always been interested in research. I will say that I am research geek. I'm not going to lie. And I love to read. I love to uh, read other, like, um, articles. Like, okay, how did you get to this point? How did... Like, how did you get to where you are? Like, how did you find a solution? And I know within the research world, it is, there's a lot of mistrust. There is. And it took me a while to get to the point where, okay, I want to do research myself. And, um, and I know within the black community, it's like, no, we've, we've been through that Tuskegee experiment, just, just a list of different ways that we have been mistreated. Uh, within research, but with someone that is black, that is, um, that does identify with the LGBTQ community, I could be the one that, okay, this, I am a black LGBTQ researcher and I want to be able to reach out to my community. Like, Hey, this is something that we need. This needs to be, this needs to be article. This needs to be shown to the world of what we need. And, and it's hard because there are articles out there that are geared towards Black LGBTQ, but it's mostly just geared towards HIV, um, STD prevention, which is great. Uh, but it's like there's there's other factors, too. There's uh, there's other living factors. There's sexual satisfaction. It doesn't just have to be money geared towards, OK, this is where the highest HIV STD rates are. So let's Let's make sure we go to this population. So I feel that it is important that there's more to talk about than that. And, and we don't know how to communicate. 
I don't I don't think I don't think anybody has learned to perfectly communicate <laughs> in this world. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's a topic that we learn <laughs> from just growing up. It's just basically what we've experienced, what we've been around and how uh, people that we were raised around, how they communicate with others. We're like, okay, well, I guess I communicate to someone like this because this is all I this is all I've received or all I've seen. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's an appropriate way to communicate with someone and understand, understanding that there are different communication styles. I was, uh, I'm glad that we actually have this conversation. There's uh, something recent that just came out. I'm not sure uh, if you've seen it, but it was by Will Smith and Jada Pickett Smith about a situation where she said she was struggling with communicating with, her husband about like sexual satisfaction and it was an automatic judgment within the black community. And it literally, it just confirmed everything that I just said. It was more of, well, why don't you just leave him? Like is that was literally like the first thing or, Oh, Will Smith should just leave her. She's not happy. But the realization is if you continue reading, it's more of, we expect our partners to know, especially after being married for years. But our like our pledges change. Uh, our kinks change. We we evolve over the years. We can't always expect or read our partners' minds. That's why we want to commun- continue to communicate, and that's what she wants to do. So being able to voice that and realize that, oh my gosh, like that is terrible. Like why would you say that? This is why she's cheating outside of it. It was just, it was almost a ripple effect, and it just showed how much. You know, misinformation uh, that we've received. And it, I was like, that is a perfect example of <laughs> everything I've discussed. But realizing that it was more of, listen, I am in this marriage. We've been married over for, I think, not sure of their specific time frame, but it's been it's been more than five years. And it's more of, OK, well, I want to be able to grow within my marriage I want to be able to keep our sexual satisfaction increase so how do I do that and it's like okay well we're not taught that we're younger we're we're barely taught any type of sex education so being able to not feel judged like okay I want to come to you because I feel that I would like to try this with you it shouldn't be a situation where well, you never said that before, or why is it changing now? Like, and it's like, well, you want me to communicate with you, but you want me to choose what to communicate with you about. Also, there's a lot of, there's a lot of modeling of maybe the, the ideal way to communicate or like, this is how couples should talk about difficult subjects that is very cookie cutter, right? It's like everyone should fit into this. And this is quote unquote healthy communication and healthy is such a loaded word. And I think for, again, looking, looking at that, we have to say, okay, well, that is primarily a model of communication that was developed for and by white cisgender heterosexual people. And that also Healthy communication looks very different 
four different communities, different generations, people with intersecting identities. And um, and then also your partners coming in with their identities and their experiences. And so finding a way to communicate that's authentic and positive and nurturing, but adaptive to who each of you are and where you're each coming from is um, tricky, but again, vital, vital that we discuss, especially in any any field related to the social sciences or mental health. So how are you do, how are you going to conduct this research? How are you going to kind of quantify this? And what are you, some of your hopes um, for how this research might be used or applied? I'm not going to lie. I love qualitative research. <laughs> Me and numbers just don't go well, <laughs> but I know that I could do it. <laughs> uh, basically, I would like to know like how many of us within the community actually know how to comfortably uh, talk with our partners about sexual satisfaction or if, even if we do talk about it. Or is this something that we have to read each other's minds or expect? It's like it's almost like an expectation of uh, some way. And it's like, okay, well, how do I start this conversation without feeling like I'm harming them or uh, making it seem like they're not enough for me? And it's being able to, okay, well, how comfortable would you feel? Uh, Do you trust your partner enough to disclose to that? Or also how environmental stressors like work and um, like racial stresses, uh, things of that nature. Like, okay, well, when we go out into this world, we are seeing the first identity that is seen is that I ain't black. I'm a black woman. That's that's the automatic that they see. And nothing, no matter what other identities I have, I will always be a black woman, no matter what. And being able to come home to someone or to just connect with a partner some way. Sometimes with all the stress that's outside in the world, it's hard to be able to discuss that with your partner, especially if you don't have that trust or that connection. So I would like to see, okay, well, how do you feel like you would ever trust? Do you feel like that is important to be able to discuss your sexual satisfaction or is that last on the list? So being able to have that, um, I would like to start off with not just working with the couples themselves, but also separately as well, because I feel like you can get uh, different types of answers. These resources can be provided because why provide uh, things that aren't needed within our community where it's like, okay, well, this community needs this. So we should provide this instead of it. Like, okay, well, we're just going to provide to everybody. Since this is what we have, this is just what we're going to deal with. That's not going to work. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Uh, that's, I, I'm so excited to see how the research evolves and what your findings are and how it will be applied through you know, the many years that people go and look at your dissertation and are able to use it as that resource to have some of these conversations. So I also know um, that you, in addition to all of these incredible things, <laughs> are working on a book. 
and have a vision for a book that you want to put out into the world and a message you want to share. So I'm very curious to hear more about that. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm still in the process. Uh, but uh, the book, uh, my title that I'm working on is Me Versus Me. And basically it's a battle within me. Um, and it's going to be where... It's, it's going to be like a Dr. Jekyll versus Mr. Hyde type of um, relation to where, okay, this is my identity as a Black queer um, identity. and But out in this world, I am this. I am portraying this. And I have to hide this identity when it comes to family. And it's basically being able to navigate that and tell my story on how I was able to open up and be able to be my true identity and how I came to that realization, how I got there. And there are going to be pieces within mental health, how my mental health was um, affected through this and how I've been able to get through with healing, especially with past relationships, how that has uh, molded me and got me to this point. So that's that's the plan. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, still, in the, pro- the goal is 2022, specifically in December. So to actually have drafts so it can sent to publishing. So that that is the goal. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, so. I will definitely be on the lookout and I know a lot of our listeners will as well. That sounds like such an important um, book and something so many people will connect with and relate to that internal struggle of authenticity, code switching, all those pieces of how do we find a place where we are all, all of ourself holy. Um, we are getting close to time. So I'd love to know, you know, kind of um, some thoughts that you might have on where the field of sex education needs to go next, um, where things need to continue to evolve and how you see your work as being part of that. I see it moving towards um like region wise, uh, I would like to see more research get geared towards uh, in the South specifically. Uh, there's a lot of research like in the West and up North, but I would really love to see where, okay, how uh, people that live in the South, how, how it's different because I'm pretty sure the responses will be different compared to like conservative places versus, okay, well, um, especially with being along the Bible Belt, how our thinking is different uh, and that we're not as open. Uh, I also see a shift in, I see a lot of Black uh, sexuality educators that are growing and also Black sex therapists. So I am appreciative of uh, how much we are coming together and being able to be the voice and be able to educate our community. So I do applaud that. And I am glad that um, we are able as educators and sex therapists that we can be able to uh, be there, be that resource for our community. So that's what I'm, I am looking forward to. Um, and I would love to continue to see the growth uh, 
and be able to inspire others that are interested in being researchers and interested in being sex educators and therapists. So um, I'm really excited to continue to be that inspiration with others. An inspiration you absolutely are. Thank you so much for all that you shared with us today. Uh, We always ask the same last question of all of our guests, which is, what is the best sex or relationship advice that you've ever received? Ooh, best sex advice. Okay, I love it. (laughs) Um, Honestly... I would say to be able, when it comes to being in a relationship, being able to be vulnerable with your partner. Uh, That is something that is hard, especially when you've been through trauma and healing. Uh, It does help when you're able to be vulnerable with that person because you're able to understand each other better. You're able to communicate a little bit better it is hard and then some people do not know how to be vulnerable and and are still learning to be vulnerable as well so that is one of the great pieces that I've learned and sex is is literally a spectrum there is so many things it, it's another I literally say there's a whole nother world out there that we <laughs> that I am still learning about and and there's something new every day and and there's new identities coming out every day as well. And I think that is so amazing that we can all find something that we can identify with. And we don't have to just put ourselves like, okay, well, we're in this box because people say we're here. No, I identify as this. And this is who I am. I'm not identifying myself because you tell me that I'm here. Great advice. And last but not least, I know people can find you through the same platform that um, does this podcast, Spectrum South. But what are some other ways that they can connect with you? Yes. Uh, so follow me on uh, Instagram. So my IG handle is underscore J. That's J-A-Y, the T-H-E master. Uh, again at underscore J the master um, that's where you can ask me questions or just uh, and then plus I like to share information important information and resources with those that follow and uh, and I, that I follow as well uh, and also if you would like to get in touch with me through email you can also reach me at J-A-Y Phillips that's with two L's uh, 9323 at gmail.com Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate having you and look forward to seeing all the amazing work that you do. Thanks for listening, Curious Queeros. Join us next month for an all new episode. Until then, stay safe, love yourself, and remember to be the change you want to see in the world. for a friend is a Spectrum South podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Laura McGuire. This podcast is produced by Danny Benoit. Keep up with the latest episodes on iTunes, Spotify, and at SpectrumSouth.com. For sneak peeks and to submit your questions or suggestions for future guests, follow Spectrum South on Facebook, 
Instagram, and Twitter.